0: Wait, that's all you've got after that worship? That, that, that's it? Come on, how about a bigger round of applause this morning? You kind of sounded like the nine o'clock sir. I'm just saying, I, I'm not trying to compare y'all. Welcome online campus, we're glad you're here too. And welcome to October, yes! You know what October means? Pumpkin spice everything, right? Pumpkin Spice Creamer, Pumpkin Spice Coffee, Pumpkin Spice Breakfast Cereal, Pumpkin Bread, Pumpkin Pie, Pumpkin Lasagna. It's pumpkin everything, and I love it. I love the temperature changes. I know some of you like the 99 degrees and 100% humidity. That's just not for me. So I love the cooler weather, and I love when this, this change happens. And, and last week, guys, last week was so much fun. With our staff, I think we had nine of our pastoral staff that led worship last week. Didn't they do an amazing job if you were here? Yeah. But it's not close to what our normal everyday people do. We walked in this morning, and uh, the band was was in the middle of practice, and I, I looked at the booth and I said, they are so much better just in practice than we were live last week, you know? It's just so much different when you have people that are they're all gifted and talented to do just that and, and many, many other things as well, but just, just so, so good. It is so much different being on stage playing guitar than it is being on stage speaking. Complete different ball games. Speaking, my butterflies fly in formation. When I get up on a stage, I can speak to any size crowd. My butterflies are in formation, they fly straight. They don't get out of line. They, they're kind of all going right. When I got up here to play guitar last Sunday, my butterflies were everywhere. I mean, they're like, I can't even catch some of them. That, that's kind of how it was going. I'm, I'm looking, one of the guys I had breakfast with this week said, he said, you kind of look like the wheels were churning in your head the whole time. I'm saying it wasn't about the guitar. It was, do I look to the audience? Do I look at my guitar? What do I do? Do I smile? Do I sing? Do I act like I'm singing? Do I, is that the right chord? Are we in the right song? I mean, all that kind of stuff is just running through my head as we're going through uh, the, the entire service. But, but uh, all those things kind of coming together, it was such an honor to get to serve you all in that way. And uh, it was so much fun to say, look at all the different gifts and talents that are here. Find yours and use it. And that was kind of the point of, of last week. Let's jump back into our teaching series based on Craig Rochelle's book called The Power to Change. And here's the question that I have for you today. What is one thing that you want to change about your life right now? Just one thing. Don't, don't say it. Just think it. You've got to be very specific. One thing in your life that you need to change something come to your mind, should come to all of our minds. I'm guessing that some of us might need to get out of debt. So financially, you might have some, some issues going on, and you need to change your spending, how you spend, what you spend on, how those, those things kind of happen, and you're hoping to be better with your money. Some of you need to change and improve your marriages. For those of you that are married, that's not even a question. That needs to be happening every day, every week, every month, every year. Your marriage needs to be invested in. So we all need to change kind of what happens inside of that relationship. For some of us, we need to get into better physical shape. We talked about that in the booth this morning as well. It's like I'm heading to a warm climate for a missions conference in a few weeks. I'm going, I can't even fit into my shorts right now. So that's a challenge. Anybody else? I know we're going to fall. You got big sweaters and big shirts. That's good, right? But anybody else challenged with, with the weight kind of thing? Some of us, we need to find a way to change what we're addicted to get rid of the addictions, get rid of the temptations. But almost all of us are hoping for something to change in our lives. It's just reality. And hope is good. Every single one of us need hope. We have to have that hope for the future to see who we are, where we're going, what's going to happen in our lives. Hope is good. Tell the person next to you hope is good. How about tell the person behind you or in front of you that might be sitting by themselves? Hope is good. Just, just tell them. Okay? Hope is good. It is. Hope is good. Craig Rochelle says this hope alone won't change your life. Habits will. It's an interesting statement, but he goes to make pretty good points in in, in these chapters. So let me prove this to you. What did you do last Wednesday morning? Just think, what did you do last Wednesday morning? Can Can you think about Wednesday morning last week? What did you do? Well, it's probably not too hard to remember because it's probably pretty close to what you did on Tuesday morning, and it's probably pretty close to what you did on Thursday morning. We tend to do the same things because we do the same things over and over and over again. So what you did on Wednesday morning was the same thing you did Tuesday, same thing you did Thursday, and at some point in the morning, I'm guessing your alarm went off, and you either hit snooze or you jumped out of bed. How many snooze hitters? We asked this a couple weeks ago, I, I actually hit snooze this morning. I don't do that very often. This morning, after writing this message, I hit snooze for some reason. It just happened. So I did that. You know, you, you, you kind of hit snooze. Um, how many of you probably got up and went to the bathroom and then got on your phone and looked at Facebook or Instagram, or if you're a little older like me, emails? How many of you did that when you got up in the morning? Yeah, more hands need to go up. Come on. I know some of you, right? Didn't say <laughs> or the weather. You looked at the weather for the morning. Some of you got up and you looked at your phone and you looked at the you version app and you read a Bible verse. And Anybody do that this morning? Yeah? No, I'm heading to church. I don't need to read a Bible verse. I'm going to church. No, you still need to read the Bible verses. And for those of you that looked at your Bible before Facebook, you're just more spiritual than everyone else. So good job. Well, way to go with you. That, that, that's great. But, but, but you probably did what you always do. You grabbed a shower, grabbed something to eat. It might have even been the same thing that you ate for breakfast every day for the past month because we fall into these habits, right? I mean, that, that's just kind of who we are. And then maybe for you, you, you got dressed, you drove to work. How many of you drive the same way to work every day? How many of you remember driving to work every morning? Uh, no, I remember getting in my car. I don't remember making the turns or driving. I just remember being at work at some point in time, right? I mean, you just do it. You do it without remembering because you do it on habit and not on purpose. Most of what you normally do isn't the result of hope. Craig Rochelle says it's the result of Habits. And that's just true. Look, look at what we do every day. Again, we make a conscious decision to do it, or do we just do it? Most of us just do it. it. It's not a conscious decision. We just do it. So if you want something to change in your life, what do you need to change? You need to change your habits. Because your habits are what you do every single day. Let me show you the power of one habit. One holy habit can absolutely change. Your life. Open your Bibles to Daniel chapter 6. You version apps, great place to go to read the Bible. Physical Bibles, great place to go to, to read. Uh, Daniel chapter 6. It'll be up on the screen here in a second as well. But here's the background behind the story. In 587 BC, King Nebuchadnezzar, who was a really, really nasty, bad kind of guy, and the Babylonians attacked the people of Jerusalem. So you have God's chosen people, the people of Jerusalem, being attacked by. Nebuchadnezzar, and he burned their temple to the ground, he destroyed everything about the culture that he could find to destroy just to humiliate them, because he didn't want their God working in their lives, and he didn't want them to have any hope, and he didn't want them to have any habits of constantly worshiping God, and then he took some of the best of the best people that were in the culture, and he held them captive, and he tried to indoctrinate them. That's what he did every place that he conquered. He tried to indoctrinate some of the best of the best people so they could be leaders in the Babylonian Empire for the future. So out of all the people he did that with, there was one kid out of Jerusalem named Daniel that stood out above all the rest. I mean, he was the best of the best. And he was a young kid. He, just, he, he was just the whole package. And the king started having some really weird dreams And all of his spiritual advisors couldn't answer what the dreams meant for Nebuchadnezzar. But God had given Daniel the ability to interpret dreams, and so Daniel interprets the king's dreams. And when Daniel's interpretations came true, King Nebuchadnezzar literally bowed down, presented an offering, and said, Daniel, surely your God is the one true God, and I'm going to worship him. That's a big deal. I mean, that's a huge deal. That's taking this king that's, that, that's you know, all about him and, and his worldly pleasures and conquering everybody that he can come across and worshiping the one true God. And Daniel's just being a faithful follower of God. He keeps his worship routines. He keeps his faith moving forward by reading and praying and connecting with God. And God does these huge things through those small habits. So now Daniel's on top of the king's list of people that he liked. Again, Daniel answered the the question about the dreams. Daniel becomes a trusted advisor. And he wanted to promote Daniel to an even higher position. But the king's key leaders, you know what they did? They got jealous. Just like always happens, even in today's culture. They got jealous, and they tried to get him canceled, right? I mean, they tried to get him to to get kind of put out. So they were looking for a flaw. They were looking for a weakness. They were looking for a character trait that the king wouldn't like in Daniel so they could discredit him. The problem is when they looked at Daniel's life, they couldn't find anything. I mean, there were no flaws. There were no weaknesses. There, there was nothing there. Can that be said of you? If somebody's going to look at your life, do you have flaws, weaknesses, issues, hang-ups that somebody could use against you? Absolutely, right? All of us do. We, we, we just do. But Daniel didn't have any. Here's what it says in Daniel 6, 5. It says, finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man Daniel unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So these evil leaders, they go and tell King Nebuchadnezzar, here's what you need to do. They're making this plan to discredit Daniel. They said, you need to make a law. So for the next 30 days, you make a law that no one can pray to anyone but you, and Nebuchadnezzar's going, that's a great law. I like that, you know, bring that on. People worship me, I'm the king, I'm like a god, let people worship me, and they said, if they do pray to anyone else, you throw them into the lion's den. He's going, oh, even better. You know, that's even more my personality. That's great. Sounds really good. Now, don't miss how this one habit made Daniel the man of God that he was. Daniel 6.10. When Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and he knelt down as usual in his upstairs room. And with its windows open toward Jerusalem, he prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to God doesn't matter what's going on. Daniel is praying three times a day. Three times. Three times. Day after day after day after day. Three times a day. That was his habit. That's what he did. That's what made him who he was. Now, if you don't know the next part of the story, which most of you probably know, the next part of the story, whether you've been in church your whole life or just came for the first time, you kind of know the Daniel and the lion's den kind of story. So it's, it's pretty powerful. The guys went to the king and said, Daniel's been praying. He broke the law, and the king was really upset because Daniel was like his most trusted advisor at this point. He really liked Daniel. He says, I don't want to do this, but I put this law into place, and I've got to follow, follow the law. So he threw Daniel in the lion's den, and then they sealed the den with a large stone that they rolled in front of it. Now, I don't know how many lions are in a lion's den you know, you, you, you see the nice biblical drawings of, you know, three or four lions. I have no idea. All I know is they were hungry because they didn't feed the lions in the lion's den for several days so that whenever they were executing people that way, they'd throw them in and they'd be devoured, right? And so these are hungry lions, five, six, seven, who knows how many in the den, but there's a lot of lions in there. And he's again, he's saying, I don't want to do this, but I made the law, so I have to. So the king's up all night long. I mean, he's a king. He doesn't have to worry about anything. He's up all night long, and he's worrying about Daniel. He's thinking, I hope he's okay. I I, I hope he's okay. And the next morning, the king runs to where they threw Daniel in the lion's den at. Daniel, Daniel, has the God that you serve been able to rescue you? Now, Daniel, all night long in a den of lions. After watching, I'm assuming he can see the angelic beings, you know, kind of, closing the mouths of the lions. He says, yeah, I'm good. God's got this. God rescued me. So how did Daniel have the faith to make it through a night with hungry lions? I mean, mean, how does that happen? The answer is he did what he did every day. He prayed, and he prayed, and he prayed. Three times he prayed. One small holy habit. That holy habit of prayer built his faith in God. It strengthened his spiritual intimacy with God. It taught him to hear the voice of God. And I believe that that pattern of praying three times a day gave him the confidence to not give in to the fear because you've got to be really scared, right? I mean, you're thrown in with these lions. There's no no other choice but to be scared. They taught him not to give in to fear. One powerful, holy habit changed the spiritual direction of Daniel's life. And that's why we should never underestimate how God can start something big through one small habit. Just one thing can change your entire life. Just one. Let me put it this way. Never underestimate what God can do in your marriage. A lot of us have quit on our marriages given up on the fact that they can be okay, given up on the fact that maybe they can be healthy and can be healed and we can do life together. Some of us have given up on that. Don't give up. One small change might change everything for your marriage. Never underestimate what God can do in your health. Hey, listen, things happen, right? Health issues are everywhere around us. But don't give in to the fact that because other people had this health issue and that's what their life turned out like, that that's what your life is going to turn out like. Because God has the power to change that. He has the power to change you. He has the power to heal you. And it might be one habit that changes that for the rest of your life. Never underestimate what God can do in your friendships. Anybody have some busted friendships right now? Maybe you did something that broke those. Maybe they did something that broke those, but the friendships are not okay anymore. Listen, one habit can change what happens in your friendships. It just can. Never underestimate what God can do in your life through one small, specific, God-honoring, holy habit. Let's look at where we've been for the past couple of weeks in this series because every step kind of builds On each other, right? The the first week we talked about this. Real and lasting change isn't behavior modification. Real and lasting change is spiritual transformation. It's not just about what you do on the outside. It's about the spiritual purpose. And so for spiritual uh, change to take place, it has to be spiritual. That's where your whole life changes. We started with our spiritual why. That's why we want to make the change. Not just that we want to be in better shape, but that we want to honor God with our bodies because our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and so we change because of that. Not just that we want to be better with our money, but we want to honor God by being good stewards of our money so that we can help the people around us and we can kind of show people how to live and be free from the burden that comes from being over in debt and overindulgence and everything that we want. The second thing we talked about was our identity, why we do what we do. You do what you do because of what you think of you. That was the tagline. You do what you do because of what you think of you. And that can be good or that can be bad. But if you want to change, you have to change what you think of you. And you aren't what you think of you. That's the catch to this. You are what God thinks of you. God doesn't see someone that's, that's broken and hurting and giving in and, and, and kind of falling into temptation all the time and, and kind of giving in to their weaknesses all the time, cheating, stealing, lying, whatever. That's not what God sees you as. God sees you as somebody that's forgiven. God sees you as somebody that's complete, that has a future, that has a purpose, that he has a plan for. That's how God sees you. So quit looking at yourself in the negative. Start seeing yourself how God sees you. And today we're talking about our spiritual what? Based on who you want to become, what is one habit that you need to start? Just one. Now, it's not bad if it's a small habit. Matter of fact, it's probably better off if it's a small habit. What do you want to do? Well, it's probably best if you don't say, I'm going to run a triathlon next, next Friday. Because you know what's going to happen if you choose to try to run a triathlon next Friday? For 99% of us, we're going to run about 50 yards and be sucking air going, all right, it's going to be a long 10 hours to finish this three-mile triathlon. You know, it's going to take us all day. But, but maybe that's, that's kind of, maybe for you, you're going, I'm going to pay off my house by the end of next month. And you've got $6.36 in your bank account. And you owe a couple hundred thousand on your house. Probably not a good small goal to start with, right? You you need to figure out what, what might be small. It might be that you want to be more disciplined in your life. So what one habit do you need to start? Maybe it's not hitting the snooze button. So you can get up and be ready. I told you, that happens, maybe that's where you start. Or maybe you want to be a person who has a good relationship with God. And so your one small habit might be Bible before Facebook, Bible before weather, Bible before anything when you get up in the mornings. What one habit do you need to start? Maybe you're a leader at work and you want to be someone that generally cares about people. So your habit might be something like this. I'm going to write one note of appreciation every day or send one text of appreciation every day to the, pers- the people that I work with. That will change you, and it will change them. One small habit. or You might, wanna, you might say, I want to be organized, and I want to honor God with, with being kind of order, everything put in, in its place. So for you, you might say, the first thing that I want to do when I get up is I want to make my bed every day. I mean, I'm going to read, I might grab my coffee, and I'm going to make my bed. Why? because there's something about making your bed every day that is an orderly kind of fashion that changes the rest of your day. Charlie Hines talks about that uh, several times when when he does his story time with Charlie on stage, which is incredible stuff, great wisdom, great insight. I watched the video, I think it was an admiral or a general, one of the two, talking about making your bed every day when you get up and how that changes who you are and how your outlook is because it's one thing that starts fresh and starts clean maybe that's one habit that you want to do maybe you want to be a godly example to your teenagers so maybe what you say is hey why don't we read like a bible plan together every day and as your teenager rolls their eyes and takes a deep sigh which is going to happen you say hey let's let's just try this and then text one thing that you got out of that 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 Bible reading today. Or or maybe for you, you say, I want to be more healthy. I want to honor God with my body, the temple of the Holy Spirit. So you simply quit drinking soda. (sighs) My eyes are rolling. I'm taking a deep sigh because as of this morning, I am quitting Diet Mountain Dew. Yeah, I need more encouragement than that, by the way, just, just so you know. I drink seven, eight, ten, twenty-ounce bottles of Diet Mountain Dew a day, something like that. That's a lot, isn't it? A couple two liters, whatever it comes out to. I'm just trying to keep up with Randy Mostel, our executive pastor, who drinks about ten of the giant monsters every day. So. We're just trying to be in unison and moving forward with, with, with uh, sorry Randy, I threw you under the bus. <laughs> I have to come with this mindset that I have to do with some other things in my life, which is the fact that I'm not a victim, I'm a champion. I've heard that and I, I, I try to live that out in some areas of my life. And we can overcome anything, including Diet Mountain Dew. My problem is I've got to get rid of all the Diet Mountain Dew in my refrigerator in the garage because it's full. If Anybody wants to come and take it? No, I'm not going to do that to you either. Start new habits. No, not that way. Donate it. Donate it. Thank you. Maybe I just need to dump it out, right? Maybe. Oh, great. My health care provider sitting in the room looking at me going, <laughs> you do what? Sorry, Beth. Um, you know, it's just one of those deals. Or maybe let's move off of that. You can. Scold me later. You might want to say, I want to be closer to God. So what one habit do I need to create? And it might be we're going to worship together and attend church together every single week. How's that going for you? One habit. Worship every single week. You know, and, and, and I know if you need some help with that, here's a great verse to start your habit. It's Hebrews 10, 25. Let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Now, to those of you in our online campus, we love you. And some of you, that's your only option, and it's your only way to to work, and we're glad to provide that. We put a lot of time and effort into providing an online experience so that everyone can have a chance to worship. And we're glad you're there. But to the rest of you, to some of you even online now, you could join us every single week. You could be here in person. And here's what I want you to know. We're going to be here next week. And we're going to be here the week after that. And we're going to be here the week after that. And we're going to be here the week after that. We love you all. And for some of you, you might be recently back into church. We love you. We miss you. We care about you. We really, really do. So much better when you're here. Let's not give up the habit of meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. How do you even create a new habit? It's a a good, good question. Here's the first thing you do to create a new habit. You make it obvious. All right? You make it obvious. It always starts with some type of a cue. It's something that you see or experience or feel, and once you see it, it creates a desire or a craving followed by a response or an action, and then you get the reward of that cue. We live on three acres of land. Our backyard used to back up to Vista Verde Golf Course. Now it's a subdivision. And um, we have our 100-pound giant, Schnauzer, that had a toe removed recently, Great dog, but she tends to roam the property. We don't worry about her. She doesn't go off the property. She, she stays there. She's a, she's a great dog. Uh, if you come on our property unannounced, you might have a little issue, but you'll be fine. I, she might lick you to death, kind of, but she'll scare you before she licks you. Anyway, we were we, I take her for a walk, so we have a harness that I put on her because she's a big dog and, and a leash, and we have to walk through our property and then through somebody's backyard to get into the subdivision and uh, I got the harness out, and she's dancing around and jumping around, and I put the harness on her, and I still had the leash in my hand, and Joellen asked me to do something, so I went into our fenced-in backyard, and I turned around, and Marcy was gone. I, you know where Marcy's at? My wife didn't know. I couldn't find her, so I'm running. I am sprinting through a couple of acres of property trying to get back to sprint through the backyard of the family that lives behind us uh, in the subdivision, and only to see Marcy about a block and a half down the subdivision, just trotting along. She's like, You put my harness on me, that's my cue. I'm going to walk myself. That's how you're, you're taking too long. I'm going for myself, going for a walk. You can catch me later. And she probably would have come back home too, you know, but she's just trotting along. And, and it's just one of those things. That was her cue. The harness is her cue to go for a walk. Now, when it comes to our habits, our cues determine what we do. And if you want to change what you do, you change those cue points. You change those points in your life. And you make things obvious. For example, if you want to take vitamins in the morning, guess what? You don't leave them in the bottle in the bottom of your sink cabinets, right? Because if you do that, you're never going to get them out and take them. If you want to take vitamins, you put them up by your toothbrush. That's what you do every day. My wife hates that. She wants the pill boxes. I leave the bottles out. So anyway, you put them by your toothbrush so you don't miss them. And hopefully you brush your teeth. Hopefully that's a habit for you every day, right? So you put them by your your toothbrush. If you want to read your Bible, guess what? You don't leave your Bible in the drawer. Put it next to your coffee cup if you're a coffee drinker. Why? Because you're not going to miss your coffee. You're going to drink your coffee. If your Bible's there, you can read your Bible while you drink your coffee. It's just obvious. That's where you start. You make it easy. James Clear in his book, Atomic Habit, said that the key to starting any habit is to actually make it a habit that takes you two minutes or less to do. Two minutes or less. Make it obvious. Make it easy. Let's say you want to create a habit of journaling every day. Journaling prayers, thoughts, those kinds of things. It's a really good habit to fall into, right? But you're going, I, can, I, I, can't, I can't do that. I mean, I can't write four paragraphs a day. I just, Don't write four paragraphs a day. You start by writing one sentence a day, just one. You limit yourself. You limit your objectives. One sentence a day. Because what happens if you write one sentence a day in your journal? You might end up writing two. But I guarantee you this, you'll never write two if you never start with the first one. That's where it starts, one sentence a day. And then before long, you never know where you might be in your journaling, but you you make it obvious and you make it easy, right? Let's say you want to pray with your spouse. That's tough, isn't it? it? It just is. Most of us don't do that because it's awkward and it's a little kind of uneasy and you don't know how spiritual you are and, and you, you just kind of have all these objections to praying with your spouse. So maybe this is what you do. You lower the threshold. You say, hey, listen, today we're just going to hold hands and we're going to thank God for one thing. Just one thing. God, thank you for our kids. God, thank you that we have jobs. God, thank you that we woke up this morning. Whatever it is, just thank God for one thing. And if you start there and you thank God for one thing, you might thank God for two things or three things or four things, and the next thing you know, you just learned how to pray together. And it might change your marriage. You might say, I want to start exercising, but you just don't exercise. <laughs> it's true for a lot of us, right? You start with a goal of saying, I'm just going to do five push-ups a day. Just five. Some of you are going, that's a lot. Do them all through the day. Do one in the morning, one around lunch, one in the mid-after, whatever. Five. Do them from your knees. You just want to get five push-ups in a day. And if you do five, then maybe eventually you get to seven. And if you get to seven, maybe you start doing sit-ups. And then maybe you start doing planks, and then you might do lunges, and the next thing you know, you're doing backflips before bed every night. (laughs) Might happen. One small habit change in your life. You just start. You make it obvious, and you make it easy. Here's what Zechariah 4 says. Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin what needs to change in your life you got to give it a spiritual reason because that allows for real change to happen you got to figure out your spiritual what and your spiritual why and then you got to figure out what you do to start those habit changes something simple something obvious something small and if we do that together think about what this church will be like in a couple of years. If you do that together, think about what your family will be like in a couple of years. If you do that together, think about what your life, how it will change with just one small spiritual habit starting for you. Let's pray. Father God, I pray for everyone in this room and everyone watching online. God, may you allow us to see what needs to change in our lives. And God, may you provide us with the one small thing we need to do to start a new habit, to start something to change who we are, what we do, how we live. God, to give us wisdom and desires to change. Thank you for loving us. And it's in Jesus' name. Amen.